Welcome to the Mead Musings Podcast. Here we open discussions on everyday hidden issues. Like living with disabilities and dealing with illnesses. We also cover issues around conditions such as stroke, diabetes, autism, cancer, leukemia and also living in abusive relationships. We focus on helping people see the light at the end of the tunnel. This podcast is available on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe. Thanks for listening. Yeah, welcome to the Mid Musings podcast. My guest today is an extraordinary lady. She's a fitness expert and a race announcer for Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Big Sur Marathon, Washington, D.C., the Wonder Woman series and more. And she's joining me all the way from Gainesville in Florida. So welcome to the Meet Musings podcast. Thank you for having me, Toyin. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to see you. Nice to have you on my show. So she's called Feeds Cola. And uh, I'll just let her tell us more about her. What have you done? I mean, before you had your cancer, give us a bit of your background, what you did. And I mean, it sounds so interesting. I never even heard of you. Now, with the power of social media and this internet connection and all these lockdown things, we are all connecting globally. So That's right. Yeah, it's made the world much smaller, much smaller. So, yeah, I'm a fitness expert. I've been teaching fitness for about 30 years. I have a master's degree in exercise and sports sciences. So, you know, my passion is to help folks live better and longer by making fitness understandable, attainable, and fun. I also am a professional race announcer, so I do. I man the start and finish lines of some of America's largest, most prestigious running events. And I'm there on the microphone, greeting everybody, getting them informed, engaged, making sure everybody has a blast at the start line. I mean, quite often I get, uh, I'd say my smallest races are about 2,500 people. My largest are 25, 30,000 people. So I have huge crowds and my job is to make them all feel like a family, like they're part of the team, get them excited about the course they're about to conquer and whip them into a frenzy and I yell go. And then I'm, I move over to the start line stage and I welcome everybody in usually by name. And I do my best to make sure even the very last finisher feels like they won the event. So I'm very fortunate. I've got a, a big fabulous role within the running industry and sports. And yeah, I'm, I'm called noisy for a reason. I make lots of noise. Almost all <laughs> of my income is made on an, on a microphone. I like to consider it happy noise, but yeah, I, I, I boss people around. I help them do better, be better. And then I, I spend a great majority of my time congratulating them and pouring love on people. Cause I really, I really care about people. And when they do the right thing, I think they deserve to be celebrated. Oh, wow. That sounds like an interesting life. And it sounds like you're busy, always interacting with people, always out there making noises and shouting people's (laughs) names. And, you know, sounds exciting to me. So how did you feel about your cancer? When did you have your cancer? How was it? How did you feel? Right. So in Early February, I was diagnosed with breast cancer less than seven weeks after a clean mammogram. So I'm someone who does almost all the right things. I've never claimed to be perfect, but I exercise often. I 
eat really good food. I don't drink alcohol much and I never smoke, et cetera. So it was definitely a surprise when I found my tumor and it was growing quickly. So I went from clean mammogram to less than seven weeks later, sizey tumor with three infected lymph nodes. And I was terrified. I definitely thought I was going to die. And I specifically thought I was going to die because I thought I made the perfect example of a tragic tale. I was the healthiest girl because I was so healthy and I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm famous for being healthy. Right. And then I have this beautiful family. I thought my early death would just be a really good story. So, so it was, it was horrible, but my doctors convinced me they could cure me, but they were going to cure me with a very, very toxic, mean combination of chemotherapy drugs, which I had a, the meanest kind for six rounds over five months. And then I had a mean, but less mean version for the next 10 months. And I did radiation, I did surgery, um, but I survived it all. And I'm very grateful that you're here talking to me instead of talking about me. Oh, I'm so grateful to be talking to you Yeah, because it sounds so, I mean, I know your journey must have been very traumatic and very difficult period in your life. Yeah. Given your career and yes. the kind of job that you have. And how did you get through that? So that, you know what, as we talk, I forgot to mention, I have a new book out. It's called My Noisy Cancer Comeback. And oh, wow. the, the reason I wrote the book was for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, when someone gets diagnosed with cancer, they start looking for two things, information and hope. And right now, if you look at the majority of the books on Amazon, they're terrifying. They all look dark and scary and gloomy and stressful. And I don't think any cancer patients should really go down the route of finding things that are going to stress them out more. But then I also felt like nobody was telling the truth about what really happened with chemo. Once I started getting the side effects of chemotherapy and yes, I went bald. Yes, I was sick. Yes, I was tired. But then all this weird, crazy stuff started going on. And I thought, how come nobody ever tells you about this? As those side effects accumulated, I started thinking, well, this is almost really funny. I think people would have a good laugh if they knew what was happening. So that was kind of the first rumblings of the book. But then, you know, as, as soon as I was diagnosed, I knew what I was in for. I knew I was going to be bald. I knew that things were going to hit the fan. But I loved my career so much that I decided in advance, I was not missing any of my races. I was not missing my runners. I was not missing any of that work. I earned my rightful spot on those stages. So no matter what went on with my treatment, I was committed to working. And that meant getting on all these planes, zigzagging across America every weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. You, and you were actually going through chemotherapy, radiation yes. and all that. So you're still working. Yes. I wow. never missed a flight. I never missed an event. I hosted 22 massive and when I say massive, I do mean massive running events with tens of thousands of people during the meanest part of my chemo alone. And so what happened was not only did I think people really deserve to hear the truth, like the intimate details of what really yeah. happens. But then I thought, you know, my my adventures in cancer became so crazy because because I was really sick. So the doctors were trying all these interesting tactics to keep me upright they would give me IV fluids every day. I would fly to New York. I would fly to California and there would be a medical team there waiting for me with more IV fluids. There was 
medical directors at the finish line of the races, keeping tabs on me to keep me going. It just, it turned out to be one heck of a wild, exciting adventure. And, and this is how it relates to the average Joe, because not everybody has this crazy career I have. I think, you know, they'll learn about all the intricate details, which I think will be helpful to them, how I manage them. They'll get a laugh. I think it's a really exciting adventure tale about going through this while doing this type of work. But last but not least, I think it was my attitude. There was, a, there was mental strength that helped me get through it. And so um, first was perspective. You know, I always kept in mind, no matter how hard it was, that I wasn't a little kid with cancer, which had to be way worse. And more importantly, it wasn't my child with cancer, which every parent can say, yeah. hey, take it. I'll take it. Just don't give it to my kids. So that was the first thing. Number two, I continued to pursue my passions, my kids and my career. And that kept some joy in my life that kept some thing other than cancer. And so for people, you know, whatever you're going through, if you love animals, spend time with animals. And if you're in the hospital away from your animals, look at the funny little animal videos on YouTube. You know, there's always a way to keep your passions uh, bright, your, whether you love music or art or TV, whatever it is, I think you should, you should make sure you're able to pursue your passion at some level. And then last but not least, I chose to be positive, even when things were terrifying and dark, you know, we don't get extra points for being the, the saddest, most pathetic person around. You know, so even when I was crazy sick, if something funny happened, I allowed myself to laugh. You know, I chose to smile. And um, again, it was really hard. It was really scary. It was difficult in every sense of the word. But I do believe there was some skill and mental strength that helped me get through it in the best way possible and come out on the other side as a healthier, happier person. Oh, I'm so sorry that you actually had to go through your cancer journey for um, you sound so positive, so yeah. full of energy. And you said your mental strength was one of your driving forces. Yeah. And your positivity and also your focus on the career that yeah. you have. So yeah. that's very good to know for people who are going through the cancer journey. As you said, a lot of people just focus on the negative side of the illness yes. and they forget the positive things that could happen to them, you know. And here's the deal. I mean, there's a there were a, a few ways I could have actually died, right? It could, the cancer could have killed me. Some of the treatments could have killed me. Um, but to me, it would have been important to control as many things in a positive way as I could, no matter what. So even if it was my dying day, I hope that I would have asked my family to maybe play my favorite songs for me as I was passing or bring my dogs, my, you know, have my kids hold my hand. You know, there are, there are choices we, many of us get to make. And I think the more choices we make deliberately on our own behalf, the better any experience will be. Oh, that's very good to know. Thank you so much for sharing that. And did you have any support from Maybe your family, your friends, and I'm sure your work actually <laughs> supported you because you said you were flying across US and then uh, going through for different races whilst you were still undergoing your treatments. 
Yeah. So I did. My family was great. My kids were, you know, my kids are teenagers, so they had their own little lives. And I was glad about that because that kept them occupied and distracted, but their hugs went a long way. On occasion, they would do little favors for me, but other parents would drive my kids back and forth to school or sports. And that meant a lot because I was often under the influence of drugs, you know, chemotherapy and so forth. And I, I don't think I was a safe driver. Uh, friends brought food to the house um, you know, my husband supported me in every way he could, taking me to appointments, bringing me food. And then, you know, the running community was incredible because they, you know, my job is to take care of them. This is my job is to take care of these people. You know, I, I provide information and entertainment, but I feel like the race mommy, you know, I always support them, but they would show up to races with, you know, if it was raining, they would show up with an extra umbrella for me or a blanket. They would bring me snacks. They would bring me all sorts of goodies just to try to cheer me up and or just comfort me. They were so sweet. And really what I I felt so grateful for was the kindness of strangers. So I just early decided early on I wasn't going to wear a wig. And um, I, I also never wore a T-shirt that said, hey, I have breast cancer. I never wore pink ribbons or any of those things. But when there's a young female walking through the mall or the airport gray or bald, you kind of know, you know, I think everybody just knew I had cancer. Yeah, they could do the math. And people were just so kind, whether they would lift my luggage for me to put it in the overhead bin on the airplane, people would give me nice things. People would just say, Hey, I'm rooting for you. Strangers. The kindness of strangers was probably the most special part of it all. In my country right now, you know, America, we're going through some difficult times, challenging. And sometimes people accuse us of not being very nice people anymore. But I tell you from firsthand experience, my fellow Americans were so kind and so generous. And that was people of all ages and colors and religions and so forth. People just were very kind and caring. And, you know, I have good faith in my fellow man. Oh, that's so nice to know that there are still good people out there. Wonderful people everywhere. Yeah, (laughs) because, I mean, sometimes you forget about the nice people and you think, oh, everybody in the whole world is not horrible because this COVID situation has made them all so horrible. You, I mean, you don't even know how to behave. You don't know how to relate to other people. Yeah, the majority I mean, of people are good. Everybody, you know. Yeah, the majority of people are really, really good, and I'm, I, I was grateful to see that wonderful side of humanity. Oh, that's nice to know. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So, one other thing I was going to discuss with you is what were the symptoms and the side effects the symptoms that you had when you had the cancer in the first instance so that other people might know yes. when they see this and the side effects of the medications you had. Yeah. So uh, I found a lump in my breast and that's, that's the telltale. You know, I was going in for those annual mammograms and exams and all of my doctors, I get my eyes checked every year and I do the gynecological exam and so forth. But I did find the lump myself in my own breast. And, you know, the most important thing I did when I found it was instantly call my doctor. And so I want everybody to take their hands, women, take your hands, put them in your shirt, squeeze your breast. Gentlemen, you've got the testicles, hands in the pants, squeeze your stuff. It's your hands, your stuff. You don't have to be shy with your body. Uh, But yeah, it's really important 
to inspect your own body for strange things, for red flags. And then if you get those red flags, to report it to your doctor. And so I found my lump. Thankfully, even though the cancer was moving quickly, I didn't have any uh, pain because of cancer. I didn't have, you know, it hadn't spread to my lungs and made me cough, thankfully. So I, I, cancer actually never caused me any pain. Now, mind you, the treatment for cancer caused a lot of interesting side effects. So um, I lost my hair. I started losing my hair 11 days after my first round of chemo. And that happened in spectacular fashion because I was announcing the Los Angeles Marathon and thousands of pieces of my long, long, long blonde hair fell out on my stage in front of everybody. It was, it was crazy. And I talk about that whole story in the book, but yeah, I lost much of my hair publicly and then I lost it on the airplane home before I shaved it. Um, My stomach was very, I had all the stomach side effects, which was terrible, but some of the funnier things, some of the more interesting things, my eyes changed colors. So what I used to have changed color. Yeah. So I used to have pale gray eyes and my whole life, people would always say, what are your eyes blue? No, they're gray. Oh my gosh. They're gray. Now, as you can see, they are they're blue. Now they're Royal blue. They used to be, they actually went Navy, but now they're Royal, which is weird. I mean, it's not <laughs> a bad color, but they went from gray to really dark blue. Um, I had when I, my, I used to part my hair in the center. And so when I went bald, I ended up with a, a tan line between my forehead and the back of my head from when that, where I parted my hair. So my whole time bald, I had a skunk stripe. Uh, my fingernails rotted out while on my fingers, the just nails started, they were rotting. And st- I mean, the whole thing was bizarre. Nobody tells you about your fingernails ripping off. Certainly nobody tells you your eyes may change color, but uh, bizarre. So I, so I write about all that stuff in the book. And what I found is um, people who have survived cancer in the past, they look and they go, oh my gosh, I wish I had this book when I was diagnosed because it would have been so helpful to me while I was going through it. But now that I have people reading it that are also going through chemo or surgery now, all of them say, thank you so much for saying those things. Nobody else understands what I'm going through. And it really feels good to connect with your situation. Uh, So whether it's breast cancer, brain cancer, colon cancer, ovarian, it's all, you know, there's all these universal experiences we share. And, you know, most of them are very, very, very hard. Now I'm, as you can tell, I'm a happy person. So while you may cry, after a few pages of my book, I think you'll do a lot of laughing too. You know, cancer, yeah. it, it doesn't all have to be miserable and sad the whole time. So there's a lot of funny stories in this book. And one of my chapters is naked at the airport. And another one, another chapter title is the bright side of poop on my face, because that happened too. So trying to bring what a little light. Ah, well, you got, there was a time during my treatment where I ended up naked in the airport. And there was a time during my treatment where I ended up with poop all over my face. Oh, wow. Well, it's something that happened. You didn't have control over it. That's right. So, yeah, it's happened. It's happened. You can't, can't change anything about that. No. I am so happy for you that you're so oh. positive. You're so full yeah. of energy. You're so happy. And uh, a lot of people must see you as a superhero. You see yourself as a superhero? 
No, no, I'm just an average girl. I'm, you know what? I'm determined. I, I've declared that stubbornness is one of my greatest assets. It's also one of my greatest curses. You know, if I wasn't so stubborn, I might have missed out on some wonderful experiences. And then also, if I wasn't so stubborn, I might have missed out on some of the suffering <laughs> that went along with getting on planes and so forth. But, you know, I choose joy. I choose joy and even the most difficult uh, situations. And joy is often a choice. Some people, they just decide that they choose to have a dark day. And I, I truly believe that depression is real. And I had my moments that were, you know, emotionally agonizing. But when I was able to lift myself up and find a reason to smile, I did it every single time. And you know what? Life is short. I'm hoping I, I have many, many, many more years ahead of me, but whatever days I do have, I will spend choosing joy, choosing oh. joy in every opportunity. Oh, it's good to always choose yeah. to be happy. I mean, yeah. there are too many things that you face every day that make life so miserable, but we they have could. to have a positive yeah. attitude. We have to make a conscious effort to choose to be happy about life. Yeah. And that's yeah. when, I mean, there's a saying that goes that when you smile at life, life smiles back at you. Mm. So you chose to smile at life. You chose in the middle of cancer, <laughs> in the middle of a really horrible treatment with cancer, you chose to be happy. That's well, you good. know, I think it's easy to be a happy person when everything is going right. You know, the real test is, who are you when things are going wrong? You know, are you one of those miserable, angry, combative people who everything's negative? Or can you figure out a way to still be a little bit of sunshine on a cloudy day? And I, I prefer the sunshine. In fact, one of the um, things I ended up saying to myself, because it does take mental strength and quite often mental strength doesn't just happen. Like physical strength, you have to earn it. You have to learn it. You have to practice it. And I'm also a medical wimp. So I was, I'm terrified of needles, you know, little things. And when you're a cancer patient, you get stuck all the time. So every needle made me cry. But as I would walk into these scary situations, I was telling myself inside, I was reminding myself that I can do hard things. And so I would look back at my history, you know, building a business was hard. Raising great children was hard. I used to be a competitive kickboxer. That was hard. And so, yeah, so I used to, I, I would tell myself that. Now, I wasn't saying out loud, but internally, I kept saying Mentally. you can do hard things. I can do hard things. And, and that became my mantra for this whole year and a half experience. And then all of a sudden I had said it so much that I was done, but with my book, so people are buying the book all over at retails all over the world, but I also sell it on fitness.com. And I had these stickers made. They say, I can do hard things. So when people order their book from me, I put the little sticker. And then what I want them to do is put the sticker maybe on the back of their phone or somewhere they can see it because quite often people need a reminder that they can do hard things. Life is tough, right? Yeah, definitely. Life is tough, but it's about making choices, like you said. And I, yeah. I'm also like interested in why you chose with the title of your book, My Noisy Cancer Comeback. Why that so, title? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have two nicknames. One of them is Noisy. 
And one of them is bossy. The bossy is my fitness side of thing where I'm telling people what to do and how to stay fit. But I make a living on a microphone and I'm the noisiest girl in any situation. Usually I'm, you know, I'm just always talking and playing music and being loud. So as I came back from cancer, I continued making noise. It just seemed to be a title that reflect me. And, uh, you know, I make my noisy cancer comeback. Maybe somebody else out there needs to make their artsy cancer comeback or their <laughs> sassy or musical cancer comeback. But noisy okay. was noisy was Just the right thing that really you. brought, yeah, brought life to me. And, um, yeah, I, the, t- the title just seems to work. Yeah. Thank you for that. So the last, I mean, one of the last things, okay. not the last <laughs> that I want to ask is that uh, you live in a beautiful part of the world with your beautiful family and your supportive community, so to say. Yeah. What is your motto in life? You just said, yeah, I can do acting. Yeah. It's a mantra you used for when you had the cancer. But do you have a particular motto in your life? A motto. Uh, you know what? I, I do think who I am boils down to always doing better and being better. Yeah. So when you know better, you should do better. Pushing the envelope just a little bit. That's what I guide others to do. And it's also what I expect of myself. I never encourage or expect perfection. I certainly have never lived up to perfection myself in any category but I'm always trying to be a little bit better and do a little bit better. So yeah, I would say that would be it. Do better, be better. Be better, do better, and just Mm -hmm. be good to everybody. I mean, it seems like you are a good person to people. That's why people also supported you. Whatever vibration or whatever attitude you have to people, they also give you back. Thank you. I agree. I agree. So from your perspective with the COVID situation, yeah. what do you think the effect of COVID is on mental health for people who are living with cancer right now? So I, you know, as, as light as I like to be, this has been very concerning. And the reason it's been very concerning is because I believe shutting down the entire world and every aspect of it was detrimental. You know, they often say the cure should not be worse than the disease. And I believe their cure was worse. So some of the fallout in the cancer community, when they stopped elective visits, so they weren't allowing people to go in to get regular doctor exams. They weren't allowing people to get mammograms or colonoscopy, all of our early detection methods. So, so many people who would have been diagnosed with stage one or two cancer in March, April, May, never had the chance to go in and see their doctor. And some of them are still afraid to go in. So the occurrences of cancer didn't slow down. But now the reports, the early detection of cancer has been dramatically impeded. And so people are finding out now that they have cancer, it's stage four, stage three nightmares. And a lot of people will die because our leadership so ignorantly chose to shut down early exams, optional exams, doctor visits matter. You know, doctors don't creep into our beds at night, lift up the sheets and start looking around. Doctors need us to walk into their door and say, hey, doc, take a look, or this is a red flag. So the shutdown has really been harmful to cancer 
itself, not only early diagnosis, but fundraising for cancer causes is at an all-time low. And like the American Cancer Society, that's one of our hugest cancer research and fundraising organizations in our country, cancer support organizations. They've laid off 75% of their workforce because they can't afford it. So yeah, the COVID shutdown has been very bad for cancer itself. And then the COVID shutdown has also been really bad for people because if our leaders wanted to get us healthy and help us build strong immune systems, they would have said, everybody go to the produce department or a fresh market. Everybody go choose fruits and vegetables of five different colors and eat some of it every single day okay. yeah. because quality nutrition builds your immune system. They would have said, instead of shutting down all of our fitness centers, gyms, and health clubs, they would have said, every gym and fitness center needs to be open 24 hours a day. All our parks and our beaches need to be open and everybody needs to get outside and go exercise. We know that people hiding indoors are 20, 20 times more likely to contract this virus than they are if they're outside being active on a baseball field. And so I'm, as an actual fitness expert, I'm very disappointed that our leadership has let us down and they've chosen fear over science. And, you know, we know what makes people healthy and we know that people that aren't healthy are at the most high risk. So it just seems a little confusing to me that they wouldn't have looked at someone like me and said, okay, Fitzkohler, you know how to build a healthy body. What should we be guiding Americans or citizens of the world to do so they don't get sick. You know, if I get COVID, it probably is going to be no big deal, right? If someone is morbidly obese, has diabetes, if they have heart disease and they get COVID, it might be a very big deal. So we want to make sure people do not move towards diabetes. People do not move towards heart disease. We want them to be healthy, fit, strong. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a very confusing, disappointing year. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping someone in all of our leadership organizations figure it out and change course. I'm glad the vaccine is moving out and people will feel more comfortable because of it. Oh, thank you so much for that perspective. <laughs> That's the same way I feel. I feel sitting indoors does not help mental health. Nope. We need to be out there. We need to be, I mean, we are human beings. We are social beings. We are shutting down gyms, shutting down parks, shutting down everywhere, that doesn't really help anything. We need no. to get things moving. And I'm, I'm glad the vaccine is out for those who yeah. want. Yeah, that's right. Because some people right. are anti-vaxxers and they won't take the vaccine. That's right. So we just hope the world leaders and everybody can get life back to normal, to as normal as possible. I don't think life is ever going to be normal. I think it will. I think we'll move past this. I think this will be, I, I 2020 think, will be the weird year. <laughs> I, I just don't think we will go back doing things the same way we used to do. I go grocery shopping, but now yeah. I bring my groceries in. I start to clean and wipe and, you know, you're, okay. just so, you're, you're just so conscious of what you're doing and where you're going and what you're eating now. That's what well, I hope some people start eating better. I hope some people start exercising more. Yeah. You know, when I grew up, people told kids, go out and get some germs. And that's how you build a strong <laughs> immune system. You got to have a cold, that's right? True. Now we're just sitting in front of computers all day. Right. You know, yep. that's not right. 
Yeah, there's a thing called the COVID-19. Now, y'all operate with stones, but we have pounds. And, and it's common for people who have gained 19 pounds this year. They call it the COVID-19. <laughs> and that's not okay. But that's we, not we're supposed okay. To, if we, yeah, and all these people hiding in their masks and hiding in their homes and treating everybody else like they have the plague while they're sitting in their back room eating pizza all day, drinking beer, smoking cigarettes. It just doesn't make any sense. It so doesn't. Not to I me. hope people will actually get really healthy. And, and then if you're really healthy, you, you're more resilient to most illnesses. And, and here's the, if you are healthy going into any illness or injury, you will rebound and rehabilitate, recover so much faster than if you were sick and weak going in. So Health actually matters. It allowed me to bounce back from cancer and become very strong on the opposite end. And uh, I, I hope people choose joy and I hope they choose health. Oh, thank you. And do you have a last word for everybody living with cancer or even people generally or your fans, your friends and family? Yeah. So I would love everybody to reach out to me. I'm really excited about your international audience. That makes me very happy. I love my Americans, but boy, do I love my (laughs) British friends and French and my Africans. So fitness.com, come visit me. That's F-I-T-Z or Z-N-E-S-S.com. I'm also at fitness on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Don't just follow me. When you follow, reach out and say, hi, I heard you on Toyin's podcast and I'd love to say hello. And then my book is available. It's hardcover, paperback, an ebook and an audiobook. It's being sold worldwide on Amazon and all sorts of retailers. If you come through fitness.com, I will sign your book and I will include that fun little gift with purchase. But I'm excited to help contribute to your listeners and help them live better and longer too. Oh, thank you, Faith. You stay positive, you stay full of energy, and you stay passionate and just have a good life and enjoy yourself. And I really appreciate you coming on my podcast for today. Thank Thank you you. for having me. You're adorable. I love you. Oh, thank you. I love you too. So for cancer support in UK, we have the Macmillan Cancer Foundation. The number for them is 0808-808-0000. That's 0808-808-0000. And the leukemia support line is for anyone living with leukemia. Their number is 0207-299-0700. Bye. A big thank you to all our listeners who have been sending us messages through the message link. I would like to thank everyone who has listened in so far and contributed to this podcast. Thank you so much. We couldn't have done anything without you. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Keep downloading and keep liking. Thank you again.